brother, I don't want to give you grief, but, you know, actually I do. I think you guys know our, our missionaries, uh, he's going to be going to Canada. Brother uh, Sean and Monica Elam are here with us tonight. And uh, we actually have people sit in the front row. Someone needs you to sit back there if you would. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> There's not too many people that can shove me sideways and say, get out of the way, Tiny. <laughs> but uh, he can. So anyhow, number 423, 423. We're glad that they're here. And uh, we've had an uh, opportunity to have a little bit of fellowship. And looking forward to getting uh, to, to renew our acquaintance with them again tonight. Let's all stand if you can. Number 423. <laughs> we must
Amen. Please do be seated. Uh, no, we're still singing. We're still singing. Amen. Uh, you're just going to turn one page back to 421. But uh, let me just say this. Um, uh, I'm excited for uh, the Elams to be here. And uh, we were discussing even at dinner um, the great need for missionaries right now. And can I say this? We've been blessed, if you will, that the Lord seems to have touched a number of our young men, our young people, some of our young ladies. And can I say this? We really need to be praying for our young folks. And one of which is we need more missionaries. And I, uh, I talked to a number of preachers at the preachers meeting, and I sat down with one preacher to talk to him about it. He said, brother, he said, you're the third pastor that's talked to me about this about how difficult it is to get missionaries in uh, for supporting. And in many ways, uh, uh, Brother Elam is going to be what we would call a local church missionary. He's kind of going back home, in a sense, to take and start a church in Canada. And, uh, and I will tell you this, we need more home missions. Why? If we're going to support foreign missions, you need to have the foundation of the home missions, the home churches to take and to support that. And I don't want to get into his message or anything like that, but can I just say this? We really do need to be in prayer for our young people. And young people, let me encourage you. Let God touch your heart. Amen. Let God touch your heart. We also, if you haven't been paying attention, folks, we really need to be in prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to be praying for Israel right now. Folks, they are at war. It is going to expand, and folks, if you know anything about history, that's the powder keg of the world. And so something that starts there could spark off into something way bigger. And so we really do need to be in prayer for the missionaries who are there. We need to be in prayer for the souls that are there. And, uh, and so please, uh, let's do remember that as we take and we, uh, we pray this week ahead. We're going to sing uh, number 421, 
Well, amen. Well, I am excited to have uh, our missionaries, Brother Sean and, and Monica, and uh, he's going to uh, bring her up. We haven't met uh, Miss Elam yet, so he's going to come and introduce her, and then they're going to take and sing, and uh, then he's going to preach, and uh, we'll take prayer requests after that. Amen. Looking forward to it. Brother, you come. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing it is in the, being in the presence of our Lord. Amen. Amen. It is such a joy to me to look out here and see so many young people here. Amen. Young people are the future. Now, don't get proud of that. But the young people, that's where we were going to pass, right? And it's those we leave behind, the testimony that we leave in their lives that will live on. So praise the Lord. Um, Stand. My beautiful wife is here with me last night. Um, tonight, I when I was last here two years ago, um, she wasn't with me sadly due to visa issues. But tonight, she's able to be with me. So please, please stand and introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, and quick, not short, and sweet. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Off the bat, if you think I have a um, accent i know i do people have said it and to be perfectly honest i can't tell you where it's from <laughs> born canadian canadian citizen lived in russia homeschooled under american program uh, curriculum married an indian lady back in the states so i'm pretty mixed <laughs> but praise the lord it's such a blessing to be here um my wife's dealing with us yes is it okay with your wife doing this? perfectly fine Am I good with the mic? Is all good? Right. right, right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, my wife's dealing with a sore throat. I Please pray for her because she's um, just getting off. Um, she's just getting healed, um, getting better. So, But um, tonight I'm just going to sing a song for you guys. Um, it's, not the, it wouldn't be, it's not the same without my wife, but um, <laughs> I try my best. So we're going to sing a song that kind of goes along with the message for tonight. Um, and every time I sing this, I remember the, about the pastor we're going to look at tonight and remember everything we're going to look at, um, what the Lord has for us. But the song we're going to, I'm going to sing for you is the song, it's a hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Because our Lord is holy and he is worthy of praise. So um, I'm going to sing this for you. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our sun shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 Merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee. 
casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which wert and art and evermore shall be. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, although the sinful men thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy, there's none beside thee, perfect in power, in love and purity. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Holy is the Lord God. Amen. Amen. And you know, every time I remember that song, I remember the passage we're going to read tonight, but I also remember what he says in James. He says, um, be holy, for I am holy. The Lord God is holy. He truly is, and there's nothing that compares to him. Sin cannot stand before him. He's so holy that Mo God, Moses had to um, God had to cover Moses in the cleft of the rock, and Moses could only see the backside of God. He couldn't see his face. Because man is so sinful to the root of the heart. Oh, it's only until we see our Christ, until we are raptured away in heaven. It's only until that side we're completely free from sin. But till then, we still have that root of sin inside us. And because of that, we, won't, we cannot stand before the Lord God. But God says in his passage, be ye holy, for I am holy. And that should be our goal every day, to be as holy as God. Not to be like Lucifer who said, I will be like God. He will come into the place. I will sit upon the throne. No, but just to be more like our Savior every day. That the image of Christ might be inside us. The holiness of God. Praise the Lord. Well, it's such a blessing to be here tonight. Um, what a wonderful thing it is. We are very, very appreciative for you all, for all your prayers and support of us through the last couple of years. Um, it's amazing. We've seen our Lord do amazing things. And uh, one of the most recent ones is... God giving my wife her American visa in such short timing. Normally, in India, it takes from six to eight months to get it. God did it in a month and a half. And that's what we needed the Lord to do. So praise the Lord. We, as you can see, we made it safely here to the States. Praise the Lord. There were a few complications at the um, border, at entry, 
they just had some questions about finances, but praise the Lord, God allowed us to enter in safely, and we are here. And uh, we have been on deputation, the deputation road for the last week and a half or so, and uh, been in a few churches, and uh, we'll be in a few more. So praise the Lord, but we're very thankful to be here tonight and uh, be with you all, have some sweet fellowship, and glorify our Lord, and be be his presence. This is the best place you could ever be, really. There's nothing better than being in the presence of our Lord in His in His house. So praise the Lord. Um, but uh, the Lord has, as your as your pastor said, um, we are missionaries to Canada. For those who have been keeping up on everything, we've been in India for the last ten months, and uh, Lord has, from the very moment we knew we were leaving Russia, I knew for a certainty that God had called my wife to Canada. And that was a process, that was, that was something that had been maturing over time. Actually, it began off um, the very first time our family went on deputation as missionaries to Russia. My father went throughout the churches saying, please pray for Russia and for the needs there. Pray for us that we're going to Russia, but please don't forget my own people, my people, Canada. Don't forget them. And unbeknownst to myself and my father, the Lord began to work in me that desire to reach the Canadian people. Um, and as we talked in Russia, and my, we talked off and, on, off and on about this because it's a, it was a real fact about being kicked out of Russia. It was only the grace of the Lord we were there 12 and a half years. We know of missionaries, um, the homes, they were kicked out of Russia. Others were kicked out of Russia. It was only the Lord that kept us there for 12 and a half years, and we weren't kicked out. The Lord took us out. So it's of the Lord. Praise the Lord. We were brought there by the Lord, and we're taken out in, in his timing. So praise the Lord. But um, as we sat and talked, uh, we talked about the reality, and if we were kicked out or if we were taken out of Russia, where would we go as mission, missionaries? And uh, I knew from the age of 10 years old that God had called me to be a missionary, be a church planner. Um, and... Uh, and it was from that time I began to be trained in the ministry after my salvation as uh, 10 years old. But um, as we talked, I, I said to my father, as we talked, I said, you know, I'll go wherever once God wants me to be because I know that's the best place to be. Really. Brother, uh, friend, you, if you are looking to see where God wants you, then you will find it and don't desire anything else. You are truly will be more blessed. You'll be more used where God wants you. Don't go outside of that God's will. And as I talked about it, it's like, I'll go wherever God wants me to go, but if I had a choice, I want God to send me to Canada. And God was preparing me for that. Um, understand, I'm not going to Canada because it's easy. An easier life. I'm not going to Canada because I'm from there. I'm not going to Canada because my family's there, because I do have family there. I'm going to Canada because there's a great need. And there's a burden and a call of God upon my life and my wife's life to reach the people of Canada. Canada is it's crazy, it's amazing. Canada is the second largest country in the world. Many people know that. With a land area here, I have, let me get my notes here. I have a land area, it's a huge amount of land, huge amount of wide open land with no one there really. It's over about 3.8 million square miles is the expand, expense, uh, expand of Canada. But the population is about 35.8 million, which, to put it in perspective, that's about 0.05% of the world's population. Sorry, not 0.05, 0.005. So like 
one half of the one percent of one percent of the world's population in Canada. Um, there's still a great need because there are the churches that are already there. There are good there are good churches there, but very few. And the churches that used to be biblical sound churches preaching the word of God and not backing down on it have begun to stray away from the word of God. Either have become more liberal, more Calvinistic, more um, or um, uh, I forget the word. I'm sorry. They're either more Calvinist or more liberal in their beliefs. And Rockmanist, rock, they're like Rockmanism. They've turned to that too. It's very sad. There's, so there's a great need for biblical local churches there. God has called me as a church planner, not to build upon another man's foundation. There's a great need for many more churches there. Um, the Eng- languages of Canada, majority of Canada spo- uh, speaks English. It's really more mainly in Quebec where they speak French, but English and French are the main languages. But can- in Canada, there's over f- around 450 ethnic groups. Imagine that. Canada is a very mixed people um, with different religions. Christianity, which understand that's not Baptist, that's all the forms of so-called Christianity, it makes up 53% of the world's, of Canada's population, but 34% of the people claim to be non-religious. So that entails either they don't believe in God or they're not, they don't go to church, they don't believe, read the word of God, or they're atheists. That's a huge amount of people. Canada has more and more begin to stray from the word of God. More and more, every year, people begin to not believe in the God. And so there's a great need for people to preach the word of God and bring them the gospel. And that's what God has commissioned my wife and I to do. So praise the Lord. We're very excited to know what the Lord would do. We're still praying on where in Canada. Please pray with us on that. That's a very crucial thing. We need to make a survey trip. We're praying about two different provinces, either the province of Ontario or the province of Alberta. I'm originally from Alberta. But please pray with us because there's both of those areas. We know it's going to be one of those two. And um, we need the Lord's clear leadership in that. But praise the Lord. We're very excited for what the Lord's going to do. He, He has great mighty um, plans ahead of us, and um, we simply desire to be used as his servants. So praise the Lord. Um, we'll take questions at the end of the service, but I just want to give a kind of refresher, a quick refresher on everything. So, All right, well, let's get into the message tonight. Turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. A very well-known passage, and it's one near and dear to my heart especially recently, because as your pastor said, there is a greater need for missionaries. Every year, more missionaries come off the field, either for being kicked out or by their own choice, or of health needs, reasons they can't no longer serve the Lord on the field. But there's such a greater need for servants, for those to be, like we're going to read here tonight, to say, here am I, send me. It's such a blessing to hear about people here and and other places I've heard, men and women surrendering to the ministry. And like your pastor said, there's a, great, there's a great need for more churches, more missionaries in your home field. Here in America, for me, in Canada, that's, my, that's where I'm from. There's more need, there's a great need for here because without that, you're not able, you're not able to support foreign, mission, foreign ministries. So there's a great need here too. Don't forget that. 
Remember that Christ, when he sent out his disciples, says, go and preach in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the rest of the world. It talks about our mission fields. We start in our hometown, Jerusalem, in our hometown, then Judea, our state, then Samaria, the outside states, the, our country, and then the rest of the world. There's a, there's a plan to it, but there is a great need for those who, to surrender in the Lord's ministry. And for those who have surrendered, keep that heart. Don't lose it. Because there's so many people today, sadly, who have surrendered to the call, then at some point in time, they change their mind. It's like it gets too hard. It's, it's not what I expect it to be. Don't expect it to be easy. Right. Don't expect it to be easy. But it's such a glorious work. My wife and I have gone through difficulties in our life. And we've only been married coming up to four years. But in those four years, God has allowed us to go through different trials and tests. As many of you are aware of. But understand something. I would not want any other life than to serve our king. It's no sacrifice to serve our king. There's nothing that we could give that can outweigh how much he's given us. So don't lose that calling. Don't lose that desire to serve the Lord. That is so neat. And if you don't have that desire, then I hope you listen tonight. Because each and every one of us are called tonight. The theme for tonight is the call of God. And you can look at different places. We can look at Samuel. We can look at Moses. We can look at... Um, Jonah, we could look at Mary, Mary, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus. We could look at the disciples, but we're going to look at Isaiah tonight. And here in Isaiah chapter 1, we're going to begin in, uh, sorry, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the posts, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Here we're going to look at the call of God upon Isaiah. Looking at the, the sanctified and surrendered servant. Here we're, looking, we're going to look at a few things about details or things we understand about God in this passage. Or some things about from God that we hear from this passage. Then we're going to look at the man himself, Isaiah, the man Isaiah, and what we see about him in this passage. We have four different points for each one. So if you take notes, you might want to write these down. So here in verse 1, off the bat, I'm going to go down. Um, here it says, in the year that King Uzziah died. So we understand that this is in the year that Uzziah, if you don't know Uzziah, then read, you can either read Second Kings, uh, sorry to read my pencil marks in here, Second Corinthians, uh, Second Kings verse, uh, chapter 15, or Second Chronicles cha uh, chapter 26, you can read about Uzziah. Uzziah was a king of Judah. At that time, Israel had been split into two parts, the northern tribes and the southern tribes, which was Judah and there was one more other tribe, Simeon, with him. And I believe Benjamin as, as well. There was, basically, Simeon had part uh, land inside Judah. It was interesting. Um, it looked like a big donut, actually. <laughs> um, I, won't, I won't get that thought on you. Don't get hungry. <laughs> get hungry for the word of God. Um, but anyways, the northern tribes and the southern tribes. And Judah, had, their king at this time was Uzziah. He was a good king. He did that which is right in the sight of the Lord. 
There were other kings that didn't, but Uzziah was one of them. However, in the time, in the latter years of Uzziah's reign, he, he did that was improper, unlawful for the king. The king had power from God to rule his people, but he could not overstep his boundary. Uzziah, he went into the temple, into the temple with a censer, a sweet fragrance before the Lord, to bring it before the altar, before the before the uh, Ark of the Covenant, which was the position, the only one who could do that was the high priest. That was the office of the high priest, the man of God, the one who stood before the, between God and the people. The king didn't have that position. The king went in, he went to try to, and the Levites and the high priest stopped him and said, you cannot, this is unlawful for you. But Uzziah, out of his desire to do what he wanted, put forth his hand to go forward and God smote him with leprosy. And he lived the rest of his days separate until he died. He died of that leprosy. Understand, you can't disobey God and not get away with it. It says, um, be of certainty that your sin shall find you out. Doesn't matter if you're punished right now or later, it will find you out. You can't go against God's word and not get away with it. And Uzziah did this. And God punished him. Well, I said he was a right king. He did that which was right before the Lord. And he did mistakes, as many of us do. And it says in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord. Isaiah saw the throne of God. A personal thought, again, be very clear. What I'm about to say is my personal thoughts. This is not in the word of God. So don't take this as scriptural, right? But these are my thoughts. Take it with a grain of salt. It says in the year that King Uzziah died, I believe based upon the passage we're about to read here, that Isaiah was struggling with the death of King Uzziah. Why? Number one, I understand that for any godly man of God, prophet of God, preacher, pastor of God, it's troubling to us when a godly ruler passes away. Because you have no idea if the next one, it will be godly, will be righteous. And it's difficult. I also believe that Isaiah, again, these are my personal thoughts, I believe that he probably had said some things out of his sorrow and anguish that were unpro- improper for him to say against God or against what he, God had allowed. God had smote him with leprosy. Why do I say that? Well, in the coming passages, we see that Isaiah, he said, Woe is me, for I am done, for I am a man of unclean lips. He, that was very specific. He didn't say, Well, I'm a man of unclean hands. Or of a man of unclean feet, right? I unclean, unclean works. He said unclean lips, which is very specific. It talks about what he had said. He had been speaking, right? So we're going to get to that, but that's my personal thoughts. Take it with a grain of salt. I understand that's not in the word of God, but that is my personal thoughts here. But here it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, it says, I saw the Lord also, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The first thing we see about God is in verse 1, we see God's kingly authority. We see God, it says, I, see, I saw the throne of God, um, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. It's a thought that he had to look up and behold the, God, behold the Lord. It says in, in Colossians 3, it says, um, let me read this passage, it says, um, Seek those things that are above, not the things of this world. Set your affections on things above. It's a thought of looking up. Right? 
putting your thoughts on those. And Isaiah, he had to look up and see the throne of God. It's high and lifted up. And this train filled the temple. A, a huge, a train is talking about the, the courtly, those who are in the court, right? Those who are in the king's court. It's called the train. Basically, those who are around the king. It says the train filled the temple. It talks about the, just a numerous, a multitude of people with, the th- with God's throne high above it. It talks about God's kingly authority. It, you know what's interesting? It doesn't, we don't see God doesn't say, I saw also the Lord lounging on his lounge chair. <sighs> when you see a guy lounging on his lounge chair, you don't think he's very powerful, almighty, controls something. He's, he's, he's relaxing. We don't see God standing. We don't see God laying down. What do we see? He's sitting high, in the thro- high upon the throne. A throne is, is where power and might emanates from it. It's where a king could give his royal command and it would be done. It's a place and position of power. That's why when we see um, in Revelation, in other, sorry, um, with um, Acts, with Simeon, not Simeon, sorry, um, Stephen, he saw the throne of God. Heavens opened and he saw God and Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of God. It talks about the authority and the power that God in the Trinity holds. Here, Isaiah, he sees God's kingly authority. We can look at Isaiah 40. It says, um, um, what shall you compare me to? He, uh, Isaiah, in the later chapters, he compares, he talks to the people of Israel who have so many different idols and gods Small g, in, the, in their country, worshiping these things. He says, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him unto? Then you get down and says, um, have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Amen. It's God who sits upon the throne. No other man, no other person can ever sit upon the throne except God. It talks about the kingly authority of God. And this is what's, there's a process we see here, a process. That, uh, we see a process here that brings, uh, to bring, bring Isaiah to the point of being used of God. The first thing we see that you, if you want to be used of God, you have to have a right perspective, a right understanding of who God is. You have to understand that he is Lord. So many times we use that word, Lord, 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 Lord. To the point that we overuse it without thinking. You understand what Lord means? Master. It means ruler. It means one who has control over me. Lord. When you call Jesus Lord, that means he is in control of your life. And then you have to ask yourself, is he really in control? Is he the one calling the shots? Or am I? The first step of being used of the Lord, you mean have to, must have a proper understanding of who God is. Understand that God has kingly authority. He has, he has the right and the ability to say what not to do and what to do. He is Lord. Second thing, here in verse 3, it says, and one cried unto another. In verse 2 we can read about the seraphims. It says, and above it stood the seraphims. Above a God, throne of God, it says, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. 
And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We see here, not only do you have to have a right understanding of who God is, but his position in your life. We have to understand who he truly is as God. He is holy. He has he is glorious. God's holiness and glory. You have to understand that. God is not a man. You, he, we read in Isaiah 40, to whom then will you liken me? Liken God. He's not as the gods that we see around about us. In India, I lived there for 10 months. On every street, on every corner, in every shop, there's some form of demonic idol or picture. God is not that. God is not made with human hands. He is holy. We can't approach to him. But through the blood of Christ. It's only through the blood of Christ we can approach unto the mercy seat. God is holy and glorious. Nothing can stand before him. You have to understand that. You have to understand that because God is holy, nothing, no sin, he will not allow sin before him. So you have to have a right understanding who God is, but you have to also understand of who he truly is and understand then therefore if God is holy then if I'm acting in sin then I can't be used of God he won't use you if you have sin in your life then it's whole, that is holding you back from running the race before you he says lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you and run the race with patience looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of your faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and set, set down at the right hand of God. You have to set aside your sin. Understand that God is holy. He hates sin and his glory. Here, Isaiah, he's seen the glory of God. Think back to these other men who saw the throne of God. Ezekiel, Daniel, John, the beloved. When we, when we see them see the throne of God, what happened? Think back to John, the beloved. What happened when he saw God's throne? He heard the voice of many waters. He fell down as dead. Why? Because sin does that to you. Sin, it, it kills. And God had to raise him. He lifted him up. He says, be not afraid. I am the first and the last. John, it, it, you have to have a proper understanding of who God is. You have to understand God's holiness. You have to understand God's kingly authority. Here, next verses we see, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Again, talking about the holiness of God. You know, recently, when we before we left on deputation, we were still in Ohio, and um, in our we have a third building. It's the hall area. Um, we have a kitchen, and um, out in the breakfast in the morning, I was making breakfast for my wife and making some delicious bacon, and left the kitchen for a moment to go back into our room to check on my wife, and came back, and I opened the door, and just smoke starts pouring out because I had left the bacon on for too long. It was I couldn't eat it, sadly. But when I saw that and thinking about it afterwards, it's like, I imagine what it was like being Isaiah. He's, he's standing here, sees the throne of God, hearing these voices, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. It says in Revelations that they cry day and night, holy, holy, holy. It happens over and over and over again, and praise and worship before the Lord. And he sees this, he sees the throne of God, the glory of God. And he says, at the voice of him that cried, that door moved, and the house was filled with smoke. 
I imagine all of this happening. And then it kind of gives us a better understanding of what happens next. It says, the next verse is, Then said I, what do you say? Oh, glory! No. Or it's like, wow, amazing. No. What do you say? And then said I, woe is me, for I'm undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the glory, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah began to understand this thought of holiness of God. And he said, woe is me. That means great pain and anguish upon me. Great terrible sufferings upon me. Think back to the Gospels. The Gospel of Matthew, when Christ said to the Pharisees, woe be to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe, woe, woe. This thought of great sorrow and anguish beat upon you. Great suffering. Isaiah is saying this. Why? Because he has such anguish of spirit and heart. Why? Because he has understanding of who God is. And he understands who he is as a sinful man. Understand, brothers, uh, friends, you know that's part of re- salvation? Repentance? Yeah. Repentance says if you confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Confess what? That Jesus is Lord and that you're a sinner? Understand that God, he is holy, he hates sin, but he loves the sinner, he hates the sin. And that you are a sinner condemned to hell. He says, for those who, um, um, everyone that believe is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because not believed on the name of the Holy Son, begotten Son of God. If you have not believed in the name of Jesus Christ, then understand that you are already judged, you are already condemned, your sentence is already sure and found and stand fast. You're on your way to hell eternally judged before God. So we must repent of our sins. We must understand that God is holy and repent and say, woe is me. This great anguish of spirit. Isaiah says, I am undone. That means there's nothing before me. There's nothing I can prove. I'm undone. Everything that I could bring before as proof of who how righteous am I? It's nothing. It doesn't hold it. Nothing. It's like it's 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 a jot and tittle before God. It's nothing. It's as dust. I'm undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips. Talks about he confesses his sin. He's a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We see here the first thing about man. We saw first of all. God's kingly authority. We saw God's holiness and glory. Then we see the first thing about man. We see man's shame and submission before God. We see him submitting before the Lord God. It says, Submit therefore under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submitting. That means, you know what it means to submit? Wives, listen up. Because God says, Wives, submit ye unto your husbands. Submit means to surrender your will for another's. It means it doesn't matter what I want. It's more important who that who has rule over me is what he wants. God's here he says submit unto God. We are to submit ourselves unto the Lord. That means surrender. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking. It matters what God wants. It matters what he's 
thinking about me, what he feels about my condition. That's what matters. Here we see God, um, Isaiah's shame of his sin. And then he submitted himself before the Lord. He fell down and cried out, confessing his sins. Next thing we see is in the next couple of passages here about man. We see man's sanctification. Next verse it says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. So, and because this is, don't misunderstand me, this is a, um, basically a, a faith promise or a missions message. It is. And we're getting to that. But we're looking at the process, to the um, a process it takes to get to that point of being able to be used by God. Number one, you have to understand God's kingly authority. You have to understand God's holiness and his glory. Number two, you have to have shame before God of your sin and submit before him. Understand that you are a sinful sinner. If you're saved, then praise the Lord. You have eternity in heaven. You are sealed by the blood of Christ. But understand, you still sin. You still are a sinful person. You still have that flesh inside you, that rotten person who tries to lead you astray from the word of God and every day you have to submit before the Lord and say Lord I'm a sinful sinner I do not deserve your grace please forgive me you have to understand you have to have submission before the Lord secondly third um, fourth you have to be sanctified cleansed sanctification is more than cleansing but here says and then one of the seraphims one of the angels came down from the altar, and he took with the with the tongs from off the altar. He took a live coal and touched Isaiah's lips. Why his lips? Why? Because in the previous passage, it says, "Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips." So, what had to be cleansed? His lips. He confessed his sins, and God cleansed him. God made him clean. He says, "Lo, these have this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged." He says, "Blessed is the man, and um, blessed is the man." Um, my main mind is failing me. I apologize. Psalms 32 says, Blessed is, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom, unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit is no guile. God says, Blessed is that man. And if you have been cleansed, and, and if you feel that moment of time that you once again are cleansed from your sin and iniquity is purged. It's such a blessed feeling. You're free once again from the bondage of this chain that keeps on trying to get back onto your ankle, the chain of sin. Understand, I, I don't, I, I want there not be any mis um, misunderstanding. I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. Make, sense, make sure of that. I believe that you, once you're saved, it is finished and done. But what I'm talking about here, I'm talking about the day-to-day -day sin that you sin before the Lord. As a child of God, any father, any parents understand this. Once that per baby becomes your child, once it's born, he's yours. That won't ever change. But that child does do things that are wrong. And they have to be punished for it. And they have to seek forgiveness for that. It's the same thing spiritually. You are a child of God. If, you're, if you've repented and believed in Jesus Christ, then you are a child of God. But you still sin. 
You still do things that are wrong and evil before the Lord because you are a sinful man. So you have to be forgiven of those things. You have to be cleansed of those things. You have to be sanctified. Why sanctified? Well, in specifically regards to missions. Here, Isaiah had to be sanctified. Why? Sanctification is the act of consecrating or setting apart for a sacred purpose. God had a, had a work for Isaiah to do. And, you know, a good example is um, any ladies here that cook food. My wife cooks very delicious food, especially Indian curry. Amazing. But if you ever walk into the kitchen, and for some reason, all the dishes are dirty. All the pots, all the pans, everything's dirty. There's nothing clean. If you tried cooking with a dirty pan, your husband's going to taste it? They will. I know I would taste it if my wife did that. So what do you have to do? You have to clean it. You have to clean it so that you can use it so you don't get that taste in your mouth. Before God can use you, you have to be cleaned. Right. You have to be cleaned. Amen. It says, um, in 2 Timothy, it talks about this. Um, it talks about, uh, in, a, in a great house, in the big house, there are many vessels, some unto dishonor, some unto honor. If we therefore... Get rid of those and sanctify ourselves and sanctify, then we will be meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. First Thessalonians chapter 4 it says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, Amen. that you might know how to possess your bodies, uh, your vessels in honor. God wants you to be sanctified. Why? Because it's the, it's the action of not only being cleansed, but set aside, consecrated for the use of the master. The piano here. I am 100% certain that your pastor would not allow any kind of worldly music to be played on here. Or anyone from outside who are not a part of this church who's not been set aside to play the piano can just come out here and play this piano. Why? Because this has been set aside for the Lord's use. It's been set aside for the use of the service and for the ministry. I just couldn't come on and play classical music if I could play classical music, but I couldn't do that. Why? Because it's been sanctified. If you are to be used of God, you must be sanctified. You have to be set aside. You have to be cleaned and then set aside for the purpose of the master. Isaiah, he was cleansed and he was sanctified. And once he was, what do we hear next? We hear the call of God. Next verse in verse Eight, it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? Once Isaiah had a proper understanding of who God is, understand God's kingly authority, understand God's holiness and glory. Once Isaiah had a proper understanding of who he was, and shame and humility and submission fell before the Lord. And then once Isaiah was sanctified by the Lord, cleansed of his sins, then we hear the call of God upon Isaiah. Amen. Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? Isaiah heard it. Which means, which is interesting. It says something, not only do we see the call of God, we also hear man's sensitivity and surrender to God's call. What do we hear? Isaiah says, then said I, here am I, send me. 
I'm ready, Lord. I will go. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just here am I, send me. He was sensitive to God's call. Similar to Samuel, the prophet Samuel, when he was young, he was a child when God first came to him. Three times God came to him and said, Samuel. Right up, he went up and went to Eli. I, I taught this to our teens. I asked one of them, he says, so, Colby is his name, I said, Colby, if your father came to you at midnight, and said, came at the door, at your door and said, Colby, would you wake right away and answer him? Or would he have to say, Colby, 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 and shake you awake? Uh, there was a look of registration on him. Recognition on his face. He understood what I was trying to say. Everyone, I, all the young guys understand this. Many times we have to hear it once, twice, three times before we answer, respond. But Samuel heard it once. He went right away. Heard it twice. Went right away. The third time I went, it's, it's amazing. I, if I was in his position, I heard it a third time. I was like, that crazy old man, I'm just going to go to sleep. I need some sleep. I need to be able to work tomorrow. <laughs> I... Samuel heard it again. And he had been instructed by Eli what to say. He says, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. It's the same thing with Isaiah. He heard the Lord, the voice of the Lord crying, saying, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? So many people today, so many Christians, good Christians, are not sensitive to God's call. They're so, the Busyness and the noise of this world around you is blocking out the still small voice of the Lord or sometimes the cry of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Are you ready to go? I'm calling you. They're so busy. The noise around them is blocking out the voice of the Lord. Are you sensitive to God's call? Are you listening to his voice? It's a day-to-day thing. It's a day-to-day process to, get, to understand his voice, to understand him. And once you understand that, then you will hear it and you will recognize his voice right away. Are you sensitive to God's call? As Isaiah was, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? And then he surrendered to God's call. He says, Here am I, Lord, send me. I'm ready to go. He was surrendered. Number four, what we see about God. We saw God's kingly authority. We see God's holiness and glory. We see God's call. And then we see God's commission. God, first of all, called. And understand, friend, if you're saved or if you're unsaved, you are called by God. We're going to look at this at the end. But every single one of you, child, adult, grandparent, doesn't matter who you are, you are called of God. You have a call of God upon your life. It, it only matters is if you're sensitive and surrendering to that call. Here we saw the call of God. And then we see, as soon as Isaiah surrendered to God's call, what do we see? Then said God, he said, and he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy. And shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. God gave Isaiah a very hard and difficult task. 
it was either the prophet Isaiah or Jeremiah, I forget which one, but it really doesn't matter because they went to the same people. One of these prophets, they said, you know, if I had been sent to a foreign people, they would have heard me. They would have repented long ago. But this people are a stiff-necked people. They won't hear. It was their own people. People, religious, but their hearts far away from God. With their mouth, they draw nigh to God, but their hearts far away. Stiff neck. When God sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet, what did God say? He, they killed the prophets from beginning from Abel all the way to Zechariah. They killed the prophets. They killed God's messengers. And here, God gave Isaiah a very hard commission. God didn't wait for Isaiah to get ready. <laughs> Prepare himself. As soon as Isaiah surrendered, God said, go. I'm going to use you. I have a place for you. Yeah. Isaiah could have turned back. He says, you know, you know, that doesn't sound good to me. That doesn't, I don't like that. And I should, you know what, I'm, I'm reconsidering. Thank you, Lord, but you know what? I'm, I'm just going to back out now. No. We see God's commission, and then we see God, man's, Isaiah's submission and subservience to God's commission. What do we see? We see Isaiah. What did he say? And, and, and he asked, he said, Lord, how long? We don't see Isaiah saying, Lord, you know, I'm done. And, you know, actually, I, I've changed my mind. He said, Lord, how long? He asked... He submitted to God's call and God's commission, but with a question of time. Lord, how long? Lord, I will go, but how long do you want me to go? You know what God said? Till there's no more people. Till the, till what did he say? Till, he said, answer, until the cities be waste without inhabitants and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. Till there's no one left to hear. You know, God has commissioned each and every one of us. He's, he's called every one of us, and he has a commission for the born-again believer. Matthew chapter 28, very well-known passage, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, preaching, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. The commission of God, go, go. John 20, 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. God the Father had sent Jesus Christ to complete his work. In, in John 17, we see his, I have completed the work that you've given me to do. I have completed it. And so, as, when Christ completed it, he said, as the Father sent me to do this work, I am giving you a work to do. So go. God has a commission for each and every born-again believer. He calls everyone. He calls us to go and do the work, either here in this church or somewhere else in this country, or somewhere else in the world. Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, sorry, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the rest of the world. It doesn't matter. God has a place for you. Amen. There's a need for people here in the church. Amen. There's a need for other pastors. There's a need. Your pastor can testify to this. I, I know every pastor, I've talked to men about this, uh, other pastors. You know, I'm young, but there's other pastors who are getting up in years. They're concerned about the next generation. Who's going to stand in my place once I'm not here? There's a need for 
assistant pastors. There's a need for other pastors in the church who are ready to preach. I believe that every man should be ready to preach, pray, and praise. My pastor's uh, father taught that. My pastor teaches that. I believe it. I teach it. Every man should be ready to preach. Every man's called. Every person, every woman, ladies, you're called of God too. You can serve in ladies' in ministry, different ministries, children ministries. Maybe God has you to be a pastor's wife, a deacon's wife, a missionary's wife. Lord knows. But the question is, are we sensitive to God's call? Are we sensitive to God's call? Are we surrendering to God's call? And are we in submission to God's commission? Sensitive, surrender, submission. Three S's. Be like Isaiah. Isaiah here, we see the call of God upon Isaiah. And the question is, is we see the sanctified and surrendered heart of a servant to be used of God. And there was a process Isaiah had to go through a process for him to be actually used of God. But it brought him to the point where he was not only sensitive to God's call, he heard it. He surrendered to God's call, but he was submissive to God's call and he went. We do. The next couple, next rest of the book, what do we read? Isaiah speaking in the name of the Lord to a hard, hard hard necked people, stiff necked people. Brothers and sisters, I hope that you are listening to God's call. I hope you're sensitive to God's call. Are you surrendering to him? God has called everyone. If there's someone here not saved, if, if there's someone here who has not yet repented of their sins and believed Jesus Christ, if you're not a child of God, God calls you. We're going to end with this one last passage. The very last book of the Bible, one of the last, cha- the last chapter of that book, Revelations chapter 22. Jesus Christ is speaking to John. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And off, kind of off topic, but here it says, I've sent my angel. In the book of Revelations, many times angel was in reference to a pastor or a preacher. In the chapter 2 and 3, it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. It's talking to the pastor and preacher. Who did Christ send to the churches? John. He sent through John and then through to the pastors and preachers. He says, I have sent mine angel to testify. God has sent oh, years and years, years, over the years, God has sent, been sending pastors and preachers to preach his message, to testify. What does he testify? And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will... Let him take of the water freely, of life freely. That's an amazing thing. Whosoever will, come. <laughs> Same thing in John 3.16. That whosoever shall, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That same word, whosoever. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not... Hinder, there's no hindrance. There's no hindrance for you to come. It's whosoever. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you come before the Lord in repentance and true repentance for your sin and believe in the, in the work that Christ has done on the cross, then thou shalt be saved. And you shall have the water of life spring up inside you unto everlasting life. God calls each and every one of us, saved or unsaved.
Come, listen to God's call, be sensitive to him. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we're looking